Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Connecting you to the biggest stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Simply put, it's game on for episode 218 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast this week. I'm James Witham. That's right, E3 2018, my full recap of all the press press conferences, what games impressed me, what press conferences impressed me, and then at the end, of course, who won E3. I'm not even going to throw it to, hey, let's go to the net. Let's just start it off right now, day one of press conferences anyway, for E3 2018, and the spotlight was on EA Play. They were the first ones to kick things off, and I actually had to ask myself when it was over, honestly. Did I did I just watch last year's press conference? It just doesn't feel like... It feels like EA is so on autopilot with their press conferences at E3 lately, and this is several years now. I mean, Battlefield Five looks great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Battle Royale mode wasn't a surprise at all that we're going to be getting that. There's going to be no loot boxes, but I mean... It's, yeah, it still looks great. It still looks stunning. It still looks something that, like something I'd want to play. But, I mean, is it going to be the same old, same old? I mean, you're, you're bringing me back to a familiar setting. I mean, the last Battlefield game was so exciting because it was so different. And now it feels like we're backtracking a little bit. Yeah, you give me the female characters, which actually I love. I don't get all the complaining. I mean, I guess part of me does, but at the same time, just, just relax, okay? It's still the video game. Can we not enjoy anything anymore? So, I mean, I think the female character thing is great, but is that does that make the game different enough to make you, you know, really excited to play it and give you something different? I, I don't know if that's enough for me. I mean, again, it looks visually stunning, but so did the last one. Now, something that is interesting, we didn't actually get any footage of, Respawn is announced Jedi Fallen Order, a, bridge, a, a re- brand new original Star Wars game and story that's going to center around a surviving Padawan set shortly after the events of Star Wars Episode 3. That comes from the Twitter page of EA. So, we know it's coming in the holiday of 2019. That's kind of all we know. We move on to Battlefront 2. They're going to be doing Clone Wars next. There's going to be a new Command Post Capture mode, which I think is really cool. That's kind of something I'm looking forward to. A new Starfighter mode and a bunch of others as well. But 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 again, it's it's Battlefront 2, so if you're already playing it, you love it. But does this make you say, you know what, now I have to get Battlefront 2 so I can catch up and do all this stuff? I don't know. Now, Unravel 2 was interesting. I did not expect to see that coming. And that's already out at the... At the, at the, uh, at the da- you can download that right now. So it looks like it has just as much charm as the first one. There's a co-op mode now. Yarny's got a buddy, and it looks like Yarny was through a lot. Did you see that trailer? That was I was, I was scared for Yarny for a while there. I, there's so much fire in this trailer, too. I mean, what are they trying to do to poor Yarny? We want him to survive to for there to be an Unravel 3. So, I mean, just enough with the fire already, makers of Yarny and, and Unravel 2. You can also play single-player mode, though, so you don't have to play co-op. If you don't want to, you can control them both. I love the unique outdoor settings and environments, though, that, all kidding aside. I think that they're what definitely, it definitely makes it seem different than the first game, but still that charm, and I think that that's exactly what you want. I really didn't want to get stuck going through every little game here. I mean, we've got Sea of Solitude, which is kind of the only indie game they really, really talked about. 
And I mean, it looks like it deals with loneliness and depression and stuff like that. So maybe this is a time that we kind of need a game like that with everything that's going on. I know everybody's upset about Command and Conquer Rivals, the mobile game. I mean, it's a ho-hum thing for me. So let's just talk about it, shall we? Let's talk about Anthem. And we get a release date. So it looks like it's going to come out in February 22nd, 2019. But it's, I see that and I'm like, ah, uh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it because it seems like this game should have come out already and still hasn't. And yes, I'm going to say this probably a thousand times during the show. I want you to hold it, get it right. Don't give me a get, don't throw out a game that's not done and not ready with a bunch of bugs. So if that's what they're doing, then as much of a hard time as I'm going to give them about this, then I do commend them for that at the same time. It does sound like, though, they will keep expanding the game for a while. That's kind of what they said at the press conference. It's based around, of course, the Javelin exosuits that you can wear, and they're, they, you know that's going to create character classes, and it looks like you can also change those suits to fit the mission. So I think that that's interesting. You're not kind of stuck on the same thing the entire time. And it does, say, and it does kind of tell you there's going to be a wide variety of suits to choose from at some point during the game. I don't know if those are going to need to be unlocked. Didn't see anything about any loot boxes or anything like that for Anthem either. So that I think that's going to be a theme this year after everything that's gone down in the last year. Yeah, you saw the gameplay demo, and, and again, it looked really neat, but it, it didn't seem too different from what we've already seen as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, you're either psyched to play Anthem or you're not. I'm still kind of interested to see where it goes. I, I think it fills a need. In the gaming world right now, honestly, that might be a stupid thing to say because you've got games like Destiny and stuff like that. But just Anthem feels different and it feels like this could be a really, really big deal for Bioware and EA. And I'm really hoping that it does end up being that and it doesn't end up being a huge letdown. Speaking of which, again, kind of on autopilot, EA was. And again, you're either excited or you're not about the sports lineup too. Yeah, FIFA 19, yay, NBA Live 19, yay. Madden's coming to PC. Okay, maybe that's kind of a big deal, but at this point, how much better can these games get? You can only, to me, you can only screw these games up at this point. There's not a whole lot you can change, especially based on the last releases, which especially for NBA Live, I felt like was a good step up in, in a really good direction and made it almost the perfect NBA game, didn't it? And so, so when 19 comes out, it's like, okay, cool, updated rosters, but at the same time, you're not really giving me anything new. I just didn't feel the excitement from EA this year. I will give them credit, though. The Play to Give program sounds like it's a really, really cool deal to give to a whole bunch of different charities, but I'm just not excited at all about what EA brought to the table. So, a couple of the games, yeah, they look cool, but I mean, you, we ended up getting more, and I'll talk about the Xbox press conference here in just a second. We got more footage from, Battlefront, from Battlefield 5, but I mean... You're either excited or you're not is basically the theme to me for the entire EA press conference. Time to move on, though. Day two of press conferences, and we'll start that off with Xbox next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Kari Walgren, the voice of Haruko in FLCO, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Moving on to day two, and almost felt like the real official start of E3 2018 as far as the press conferences go. No, nothing against EA, but when you got Xbox starting out your day, I mean, that kind of is a little bit of a step up, if not a giant step up. And 
I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to verbatim go through every game. I'm just going to talk about some that stood out to me. And it's hard not to talk about the fact that they started out with Halo Infinite, which again, I mean, if you're a Halo fan, this is something that you're probably going to be excited about. Maybe if you if you haven't played a whole lot of Halo, you get the Master Chief Collection that they announced is going to be coming to Game Pass. And I understand that. But again, if you're not a Halo fan, this wasn't one of those games that made me, made me go, man, I have got to get an Xbox because I have to be able to play Halo. I just didn't feel like that after I saw it. I mean, there were a couple of cool games after that. I mean, Sekiro looked pretty neat, but I mean, one of the games that really caught my attention was the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit. And I know they touched on this at a later press conference as well, but it was going to be set in the Life is Strange universe. And when we found out a little bit more about it, there's going to have, it's very much looks like it's going to be based on a kid's imagination, right? Which I think is a great way to go. I mean, I'm not really exactly sure what the elements of this game is going to be and what the ultimate point of it is when it comes out on June 26th. All I know is that it just felt good. I mean, it felt like it was a game that that you kind of need in in this world of Crackdown 3s and and stuff like that and Sea of Thieves and Metro Exodus. I mean, especially Metro Exodus, a very heavy and kind of just really, really intense scenery. Then you get a game like The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit that just, you know, puts you in the imagination of this kid and all these different places that you can go. And it reminded me of when I did that interview with Gabriel Gabriel Bateman and The Dangerous Book for Boys on Amazon. That's exactly kind of what it reminded me of. Like, where can your imagination take you? And imagination and video games really go hand in hand. So I really can't wait to see exactly what The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit is going to be all about. And I mentioned a couple of other games. Here's one that I want to talk about though for just a second. And I swear I'm only going to be talking about this for Xbox. And I know that this is a statement that's probably going to make some fans really, really angry. But I'm going to say it anyway. I'm kind of sick of hearing about Kingdom Hearts 3 at this point. I'm sorry. I know I know that in Xbox they had the big reveal of the Frozen characters were going to be in there. We got the release date of January 29th. But then after that, it's felt like Every press conference, we were getting more stuff on Kingdom Hearts 3. And I'm not saying it's not a big deal that you've got Pirates of the Caribbean coming. I'm not saying that the story doesn't look good. I'm not saying the gameplay doesn't look good. Everything about it looks good. Graphics, everything. It's just like, okay, enough already. You've shown me Kingdom Hearts 3 in pretty much every press conference, and enough was enough. I kind of thought that the Xbox one might be it. And then I thought maybe we get a little bit more at Sony, but it seemed like, geez, all right, come on. I mean... I understand. I get it now. You don't have to keep cramming Kingdom Hearts 3 down my throat. Plus, I mean, the game's going to sell a ton of copies anyway. I don't think that we're really lacking for anything there. And then you've got PUBG, which is still trying to keep up with Fortnite as far as I'm concerned. They've got new maps coming in the winter. I'm not really sure that that's going to be enough. We Happy Feud seems like that's been creeping me out for the past like three E3s. I don't know if we're ever going to see the light of day on that. I mean, we did kind of get a release date there. One game that really did stand out to me, though, was Session, which looks like it's going to be a skating game. It looks like if it's an open-world skating game, and I'm not sure we got too too much information just from the trailer that dropped on the Xbox press conference, but if you give me an open-world skating game, maybe some character creation elements there, I think you might really have something because it feels like we've needed a good skating game 
for a while. And then Devil May Cry 5, which looks really intense and awesome, is going to be coming in the spring of 2019. Uh, a Cuphead DLC, I'm not sure how long we're going to wait for that one exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's the running joke with Cuphead, I know, but, ah, geez, it just, it just feels like, you know, Cuphead's going to be at every E3 from now until the end of time because of how long it took for the original game to come out. One that kind of caught my attention, too, was Dying Light 2, and I know I'm not really a zombie game guy. I get it, but... You give me the choose-your-own-adventure kind of gameplay where you can make one choice and it affects the, the way the game goes. You give me different endings and different scenarios that can play out. You give me a game that's going to increase its replayability like that. And even if it's a subject matter that I'm not necessarily thrilled about, because you know, if you've listened to this show before, I'm just not a fan of anything zombies. Absolutely nothing. But you give me choices like that, I'm intrigued at what that's going to be because then I you give me different results and you make me want to play the game again. And that's really the point. And then you give me Battletoads coming in 2019. I've been waiting for a Battletoads game forever. And, you know, this is the way Microsoft was rounding things out. And I'm like, okay, so you started out slow, but now you're kind of making me go, well, maybe there would be a point to getting an Xbox at this point. And then, then they go all in on Gears at that point. Gears Pop, and I'm, you know, having a Pop game makes perfect sense to me. You've got Gears Tactics, which is going to be coming to mobile. And then Gears 5, and, and i got to be honest, there's a lot more footage from Gears 5 than I thought. And I love the fact that we're going to see Kate taking the lead on this when you see a tragic event that happens in the trailer. I'm not going to go word for word into the trailer either. But then something's not right there either. You've got the locusts involved, and maybe could Kate eventually turn? And then you see kind of an element in that trailer, and it almost seems too easy to reveal something like that in a trailer, right? So, I'm, I mean, you know not everything is going to be as it seems there, but if we're going to get a nice female lead here in a Gears game, I think that that would be really, really neat. And that's something that, you know, can excite the fan base too, you know, give us something a little different. I know Kate's not necessarily new to the franchise, but, you know, you put her as the absolute lead protagonist in the game, and I think that that just adds a different element to a series of games that's been out for a while. So I think that that's really, really neat. And then they close out with Cyberpunk 2077. Again, not a whole lot of information on exactly what we're going to be getting there, but it just visually looks really, really nice. So there were some good moments in the Xbox press conference. It definitely wasn't a dud. But nothing that made me really jump up and down except for Battletoads, and that's just because I love Battletoads. And that's got really nothing to do with Xbox and everything to do with the fact that I love Battletoads. Now we move on to later that night, and we had Bethesda. And I gotta say, before I even get started, Bethesda once again just knocked it out of the park for me. And and not that they and they didn't even really reinvent the wheel either as I get ready to talk about some of these games. And I'll talk about Fallout 76 here in just a second. You were giving me a lot of stuff that I've already kind of seen in, in sequels. And I know I was looking back at my Facebook timeline and I kind of, you know, ripped Bethesda not too long ago for having their press conference be sequel fest. But then you give me something like Rage 2 and Rage it's been a while since been since we've had Rage. Now we're finally getting a sequel. It looks like a really cool, frantic first-person shooter. If that's your thing, you've got to be stoked about that, right? So you, you give me that, and then you give me pretty much everything 
Elder Scrolls. We've got two new DLCs that are going to be coming to Elder Scrolls Online Somerset. One of them involves werewolves. That seems pretty cool. Then you've got Elder Scrolls Legends. And then later on, you show me you've got Blades coming out for mobile game. I've already signed up for the for the Blades pre-order, by the way, because the town building mode, you caught me at the town building mode. I'll be honest. And I know there's going to be microtransactions there. Don't care. I don't have to buy the microtransactions. I'm just going to have fun playing this free mobile game and see where it goes. And if and if it gets to the point where the microtransactions are just too much for me and I can only get so far, then I'll just stop playing it. We have to realize that that's an option too. And you know that when you see free mobile game, the first thing that as a gamer that your ears should perk up and say, well, there's probably going to be microtransactions. And I don't know that that's been confirmed or denied by Bethesda at the point of me recording this. I just assume it because that's the kind of world that we live in right now. And then we also get the tease of Elder Scrolls 6 that's going to be coming out soon. So all in on Elder Scrolls. And that's something I really need to really need to jump into here because that's that's a, that's a series of games that's just always intrigued me and that I've always really loved. And then we get another, we've got another Doom coming out. And you want to talk about Hell on Earth. When you see the footage for Doom Eternal, it really does look like Hell on Earth. I mean, everything's burning and there's lava everywhere and it, there's there's blood and demons and stuff. It's like, where can you even go to take like two minutes to, I don't know, eat a, eat a granola bar or something? It just doesn't seem like you're going to be able to stop for five seconds when you're playing Doom Eternal. And isn't that the whole point of Doom anyway, though? I think it is. And, I mean, you, you, they talked about Quake for a couple minutes. And looks like we're getting a Prey DLC called Moon Crash as well. Is it just me? Remember when Prey was first announced? And it, it, it looked cool, but it, it was a very serious, intense-looking game. Did the Moon Crash DLC not look make Prey look way more fun than when it was originally launched? Because I thought that that was an interesting kind of flip of the script and maybe I'm totally off base here and missing the point of prey entirely but it just seemed like when you know when you've got things turning into other things and you know it seemed you know you know you've got your baddies turning into spray bottles that just seems funny to me and it seemed interesting and it just makes the game have a very different element and vibe to it so I, why not try this if if you're if you're the makers of prey and Bethesda I think that the, it's a very interesting idea the very cool stuff that i got though from this one of my favorite parts of the bethesda press conference was the wolfenstein stuff we've got wolfenstein coming to switch on june the 29th so that's not too far from now what i didn't expect though was to get an announcement for wolfenstein youngblood we're gonna have two female leads we're gonna be bringing nazi punching to the 1980s paris i am all in on this how cool did Wolfenstein Youngblood look? That was the game that kind of stood out to me the most other than Fallout because how can I not love Fallout the most from this? But that's kind of the thing that stood out the most for me in the Bethesda press conference was Wolfenstein. And even in the last E3, Wolfenstein stood out to me as well. So, And again, the graphics look amazing. This just looks like it's going to be a cool adventure thrill ride with Nazi punching in it. And I love that. And you got two fe- badass females that are going to be a part of this to boot, I am all in on this. And I really thought that largely VR was kind of being ignored at E3 this year. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But then you've got Prey Typhon Hunter that's going to be coming in Wolfenstein Cyber Pilots that Bethesda announced for virtual reality, but not a whole lot else other than I don't want to wait any longer, though. Let's dive in to Fallout 76. Now we find out 
You've been locked out in vault. You've been locked in Vault 76 for 25 years. Reclamation Day finally allows you to leave Vault 76. And when you do, it looks like you're going to have six regions of West Virginia that you're going to be able to go through. Now, the game is entirely online, which was kind of my fear at first. But then when they say you can also play solo, I'm like, okay, so at least you're giving me the option. And apparently all the characters we're going to meet in Fallout 76 are going to be real people. I'm not sure how that's going to be able to be pulled off necessarily, but that's kind of what was said. Maybe I misinterpreted that. What I also love, though, because... You know, they said it's not a circus in the press conference. I believe that was the wording, and, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing there. There won't be a ton of players in-game at once, because it would be kind of weird, right? If you're talking about Fallout, and you go out there, and there's like a million characters just kind of wandering about, wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense, would it? So I, I like that they kind of took that into account, and especially if you're going to have an online game like this, and you're going to have 100% dedicated servers, you're going to have to have a ton of them if you're not going to have a whole lot of players in a particular playing field, right? So you're going to have to make sure that you've got a ton of servers because it's all the chatter from E3 seems like it's been about Fallout 76. And then they had those cool, you know, vault videos, you know, talking about making friends and building camps and acquiring nuclear weapons. It was just a fun way to present Fallout 76 as if fans weren't excited enough about it already. Now, there is going to be a beta, and I think that that's really smart because this is a game that hasn't really entered the online realm before, and certainly not in this capacity. So it seems like they really understand that there are going to be problems. And let's fix this, or at least get it as close to fixed as possible before the game comes out on November 14th. And I actually think that that's an ambitious release date. I would not be surprised at all. If that gets moved, and I wouldn't be disappointed about it either. I think that any Fallout fans going to agree, you just want this to be to release with as little bugs as possible. If you get it to release with no bugs, even better. I'm not sure how realistic that is, but aren't you willing to wait for a great game like Fallout 76 if you could get it with as few bugs as possible? Because I know that I am. It drives me crazy when I'm playing a game and there's a ton of bugs. They need to get away for the patches, or sometimes even a DLC for anything to get fixed. So, I really, really want to see this game make that release date of November the 14th, but I really do think it's ambitious because there's a lot of other games that aren't coming out until 2019, and you kind of understand that. So, I really hope that they do take their time and kind of judge by how the beta goes whether or not they're going to be able to make that date. Because I know people are going to be mad and bitch and complain if they don't make that date because it was announced at E3 and you said it was... I get it, okay? But think about what you're complaining about. Do you want the game or do you want the game right? Think about that for a second before, just in case this release date gets moved before you make your comments. I do not want to move on before I talk about Starfield because, and again, we didn't get a whole lot from the trailer. But if we're going to get a nice... Ep- space epic type of game from Bethesda, a company that really knows how to do these epic games well. I think that Starfield could really, really be something cool, especially for anyone that complained about No Man's Sky. And I know that there are a lot of fans that love No Man's Sky, but if you could give me a, a No Man's Sky type of game, but make it more interesting and give it a little bit better story, no offense to anyone that loves No Man's Sky. If you can give me that with Starfield and give me all of these different worlds and planets that I can visit and colonizations and stuff like that, make it as Star Trek as possible without it actually being Star Trek, 
I think that that would be a really, really cool concept that I could get behind. So I think an amazing job by Bethesda grabbing attention away from Xbox really is what I kind of think that they did because Xbox kind of ended on a high note and then and then Bethesda comes along and says, you know what? Pretty much our entire press conference is going to be a high note, including the whole Skyrim on Alexa thing, which I haven't tried yet, but I can't wait to try. I'm so glad that was real. I was going to be really mad if that wasn't real, so I'm glad that it is and I can't wait to try it out. That's going to do it for the Sunday portion of the E3, E3 press conferences, but up next... Going to be talking about the next day kicking off. The biggest day of E3 was day three for press conferences. We'll start with Square Enix next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Ray Chase, the voice of Noctis in Final Fantasy XV, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It was a busy day three for press conferences at E3 2018, so let's dive right into Square Enix, who made their return to E3 this year, and you kind of understand why with everything that they've got coming out. So starting with Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which we saw again a couple of times, we see that they said that Lara becomes one with the jungle and we've got to stop the Mayan Apocalypse. i got to tell you, I love the new movements when we saw in the gameplay. I love use, you know seeing the use of the environment for cover, which we've seen kind of in past Tomb Raider games, but it really seems like it's going to be ramped up even a little bit more because you are talking about the jungle here. And again, some really intense kills. And we get to see how Lara has really evolved from the first game to this game. And I, I remember that I saw somebody tweeted. I wish I could remember who it was so I could give credit. Tweet me at down nerdy 757 if, uh, if this was you that tweeted this. But I saw someone do a quote from the first game where she said, I can't believe I killed a man. And then now to if it bleeds, it can be killed kind of sort of thing. So... Uh, and that's very, very true for this. We've seen much more experienced and hardened Lara Croft fighting against Trinity and, and what's going on in this game. And it just looks like it, it's going to be... I don't think I've been disappointed with any Tomb Raider game so far since they've sort of relaunched it. This, to me, looks absolutely no different. I can't wait to get my hands on Shadow of the Tomb Raider here soon because I, I think it's just going to be another home run. You could keep making these games forever, as far as I'm concerned, as long, as long as you give me a good setting, I'm going to be interested. The thing I don't think that anybody expected was that this summer, Final Fantasy XIV is going to be crossing over with Monster Hunter World. Which, I mean, you know, if you think about it, it's actually going to be a very interesting combination. Because the two don't necessarily drift that far apart from each other, do they? So when I saw that, I was really surprised. And at the same time... Kind of as I kept thinking about it, like you know, this really does make a lot of sense. So I, it's just it's a natural fit, and it's kind of a way to first of all freshen up Final Fantasy. Not that you really need to, but it's a good way to kind of freshen up that franchise by crossing it over with another. And I mean, you see this with with movies all the time. You get the Arrowverse crossovers and TV as well. You know, why not try and cross this over and see what happens? You know, you try and it doesn't work out. So what? So we'll see. How that goes. And that's not the first crossover that we heard about in E3. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. We did get a little bit more information on the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit. I wanted to bring that up again because in, in the Square Enix conference, they did announce that it would be free to play on June the 26th. So I think that that's going to be, you know, kind of leaves me no excuse to not try it out at that point. I love the look of the new Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest Eleven. Looks like it's going to be really, really neat. We're going to get that on September the 4th. Babylon's Fall didn't 
really get a whole lot on it, but visually it looks pretty good anyway. We'll talk more about Octopath Traveler with the Nintendo presser, the Nintendo Direct presser coming up. Just Cause 4 was something that was also shown uh, on Xbox the day before. I wasn't really surprised at all to see a Just Cause 4. I just love how crazy the Just Cause games are. And this one's going to be taking place in in a fictional, fictional part of South America. Some really cool looking new features that you could do. Like, did you see the one where they had the, the vehicle being lifted on a platform by these giant like hot air balloon types type things. So there's some really cool new features, and that's basically what Just Cause is, isn't it? It's a it's a crazy, frantic game that allows you to... It's almost like Far Cry, but it's on steroids in a way where you're kind of always moving. It's like a Jason Statham movie where you're, you're kind of always moving and you're not stopping and everything's insane around you all the time. And that's one of the things I just kind of love about the Just Cause franchise is it's, it's unapologetically what it is. The game that really stood out to me the most, which is funny though, because I really don't know a whole lot about it based on what we saw, was a new game called The Quiet Man. You, you kind of see this guy come up on a couple of bad dudes and without even making a sound, really, just takes them down. So it was kind of like, remember the, I remember the first time when, when I saw Detroit Become Human, how I felt about that. You know, all the flack that that game is getting right now from everything that's coming out. Put that aside. But when you first saw that at E3, you had to be really intrigued by it, right? And I was intrigued by it for almost no reason whatsoever. And that's how I feel about The Quiet Man. I don't know much about it, but looks very, very interesting. And the graphics were absolutely insane. So for that reason alone... I'm sure we'll find out more about this E3 next year. I don't really think that this is a game that's going to be coming out anytime before E3. So I think that that's something we'll find out more next year. But once again, Ubisoft takes the stage after Square Enix, which was only a half hour, by the way. I was surprised it wasn't a little bit longer. Anytime you start out your presser with a dancing panda and kind of like a high school band or a college band playing the tracks, it's going to be on Just Dance 2019. You kind of got my attention, but you didn't need my attention if you were going to bring up Beyond Good and Evil next, because how amazingly visually stunning does Beyond Good and Evil 2 look? I thought that last year at E3, this made me want to play it even more, because I'll be honest, I don't even know a whole lot about these characters, because I can't remember hardly anything from Beyond Good and Evil 1. But just seeing everybody together and how the interaction goes, even in these cutscenes, Makes me want this game so freaking bad. And then you see a young Jade. You can play alone or in co-op, which was announced. And then you bring up Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And this was one of the really cool moments of the entire E3 for me. Apparently, for Beyond Good and Evil 2, they're soliciting submissions for music and art. You know, like graffiti art that can be put into the game. And they're going to be using Hit Record to do it. So go to hitrecord.org if you're an artist, whether it be musically or just an, an artist in general just to submit your stuff for this game. I just think that that's a really cool thing. You could be a piece of this game and hit record very, very good to their creators, by the way. So if you end up getting involved in that, you, I'm, I'm sure that that will be worth your while in more ways than one. I just think that that's a really neat thing to do to kind of bring the community in. And, and it seems like they really listened to what fans wanted for this game as well. So for so many reasons, I think that that's going to be neat. 
And then you kind of get to the Tom Clancy portion of everything, like with Rainbow Six Siege, their pro league's going to be kicking off from Paris, and they're going to go to Brazil and Montreal. But the documentary series I thought was really interesting, another mindset where they're going to kind of follow eight players on their journey and how, you know, kind of Rainbow Six Siege has affected their life. And maybe that, maybe you look at that and you say, really? Really? But, but if you think about it, you know, that's not something that you kind of brush aside, right? So, I mean, I'm interested to see at least the first episode of the docuseries, or if that's what I'm calling it. I'm not sure exactly what that is, but damn it, that's what I'm going to call it. I'm kind of curious to see how what the vibe of it is and exactly what these stories are from these gamers. So I'm intrigued. I'll check it out. Ubisoft, you can always count on them. For a little bit of fun and trials rising. I know I did. I said I wasn't going to go through every game, but I, I, I swear I, I won't necessarily do that. But I mean, you get a, you get this big guy on a beard coming out on a motocross bike. And then you show me this footage of this cool, insane environment motocross game. And then you kind of show me a blooper video with all these epic fails of people hitting things and crashing all over the place. You've got my attention, and I'm not even that big of a motocross fan, but you got my attention and made me care about it. And that's kind of what Ubisoft did this entire press conference, with the, with, with one exception, and that's the Division 2. I'm not saying it doesn't look neat. I'm not saying it's not going to be a good game. I mean, yeah, it's set in Washington, D.C. You see that the virus is kind of all but cleared up. You see these factions taking over things. But, I mean, it just looks like the Division, doesn't it? I mean, if you're a huge fan of The Division, you're stoked for this, I'm sure. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be. But, I mean, if this is not anything that's reinventing the wheel here, is it? If, you're, if you haven't really been playing The Division, this isn't something that's going to make you go, man, i got to go back and play the first one so I can play this one. That's how I felt when Tomb Raider came out. Because I hadn't played the first one yet. The second one I see the footage for, and I'm like, man, i got to play that first Tomb Raider game. And I went back and did that. Now, again, if you're already a fan, you've got eight-player raids that are coming. That's going to be super neat. Three episodic DLCs that are going to be released and will be free for everyone when they do. I think giving your players anything for free like that is a really, really cool thing for Ubisoft to do. And Tom Clancy's The Division 2, so I think that that's, you know, that's a good sign of good faith there. And that's going to be coming out on March the 15th, 2019. It just looked, everything just looks really, really similar. You've got Donkey Kong that's going to be coming to Mario Rabbids that's going to be on June the 26th. And it pretty much looks how you expect. The one thing that really, really perked me up was when I saw the, the gameplay footage for Skull and Bone. This was, again, a game at E3 last year. It was like I, a really good pirate game would just be so cool for me. And that looks... And Skull and Bone looks like it's exactly that. Take nothing away from Sea of Thieves, which is a really fun kind of pirate game. This is a totally serious and absolutely different vibe. So let's go through this a little bit. In the conference, they say that piracy is dead in the Caribbean. So you're going to go to the Indian Ocean. First of all, nobody goes to the Indian Ocean for anything in, in entertainment at all. So setting this game in the area of the Indian Ocean... A perfect idea because it's different. So before you even start playing the game, it's different, which is so neat to me. And you, you they've got these things called fortunes, which are going to reveal certain kind of important elements of gameplay, depending on which one you choose. There's three of those that you can choose. It can help you find out, you know, when somebody's alerted to your presence and things like that. If you saw the gameplay trailer, which I'm not going to go through word for word, you kind of saw what I meant. I loved seeing the boarding raids. I wish we could have got more footage on that and how that works, which kind of didn't in the presser. 
But the emphasis being on really planning your attack and not just being able to, you know, roll up there in your ship and start firing cannonballs, I think that it was just really smart to show that and let people understand, hey, you've really, really got to think this through. Like when you pl- like when I play Hitman, which is one of my favorite games of all time, we talked about that last week, you can't just roll up there and start shooting, dudes. You could... But you shouldn't. But in in this game, it really looks like if you try to just be a cowboy in this thing and just really be a loose cannon, pun absolutely intended, it's not going to work out for you. As a matter of fact, they said, hey, there's instances where you're going to need co-op or you're going to die in this game and you're not going to get anywhere. So, I mean, there was just so much about this and, and just the race to steal absolutely every last bit of treasure that you can. I am so psyched. For Skull and Bone. You want to talk about a game I would buy a console for? This is the kind of game that it, even if you're not a huge fan of pirate stuff, you got to be cool with that, right? The f- most funny part about the Transference VR presentation was Elijah Wood almost losing his lines and, and losing his place and freaking out about it. I thought that was kind of funny. You've got Star Starlink Battle for Atlas, which looks really, really cool. They're going to be bringing Star Fox into that game exclusively on the Switch, though. So, you're only going to be getting a Star Fox in the Switch version of the game. It just looks really neat. It looks like there's a whole lot of customizations that you can do. So I, I think that, you know, again, it's a space battle game. And if you're a sci-fi nerd at all, that's going to hit you right at home, right? And then, you know, fans are excited for the For Honor announcement. The starter edition was free for a week. It might still be free if you want to check on that. You announce a DLC, which is Marching, Fi- Marching Fire. And you've got four new fighters are going to be coming along, new factions as well. They announced that Breach Mode is going to be coming, which, again, something that I'm surprised that it didn't have all along. So, again, you listen to your fans and give them what they want. It seems like that's what Ubisoft has been doing in general. And all that's going to be coming out on October the 16th. I want to skip past the crew, too, because driving games to me, I mean, I know maybe you love them, but... To me, they're a dime a dozen. I mean, you that between that and Forza Horizon 4, which, yeah, they look neat. And, yeah, if you love driving games, you're probably stoked for it. I want to move on to Assassin's Creed Odyssey because you're going to put me in ancient Greece. Tell me I can go on land and on, and on sea. Then you tell me it's a true RPG with true historical interactions. You guys had me at true RPG because I'm a huge RPG not I don't think we get enough of them maybe you do I'm sorry I don't think we do not true RPGs anyway I don't know how you're going to make this a true RPG necessarily but if anybody could do it I think Assassin's Creed could do it and then you give me the choice of playing either Alexios or Cassandra a male or a female character again give the fans what they want and that's exactly what you've got here and there's some, you know, you, some kind of gameplay that we saw where, you're, where it seems like you're able to choose your own path and it will kind of change the way the game goes. I'm not fully ready to say it's like a choose-your-own-adventure style like Dying Light 2 was when we saw that. But it certainly looks like there's a little bit of that going on anyway. Now, it looks like exactly what we've come to expect from Assassin's Creed gameplay-wise. I mean, the, the sword fighting looked great. You had that cre- crazy epic battle scene there where you've got Cassandra's fighting this giant, huge, hulking dude in the middle of this giant, uh, this amazing battle. I can't wait to see more. I know that we saw a pretty good amount. I can't wait to see even more. And October 5th, again, I think is a really ambitious release date. But I really think that they can pull it off. 
And then you kind of ended the night, and this is usually the highlight of E3 every year, and that's PlayStation. It just started off so awkward to me. You're at this different location. You're telling people, you know, welcome to church sort of thing. And I have no idea what the hell's going on. For the first few minutes, you've got a guy out there playing a banjo, which I guess is cool. It just felt really awkward and weird. I don't know what it was like to actually be there at the Sony presser, but it just seems strange. And then, yeah, you roll into The Last of Us 2, which looks brutal and intense. You see that scene where you have Ellie going from dancing with her girlfriend to this crazy kind of against her against the world, it seems like, scene that almost seemed to go on forever. And that's not a bad thing. And I say that because it just felt like Ellie was not going to survive this thing. And then she somehow did. A couple of the cool elements from it, though, were the human using human shields. That's That seems new to me as far as any gameplay is concerned. I think that that's a neat way to go if that's something that we're going to get. But the graphics and the realism, let's just face it, they just look next level great. And then the kills in this thing are just brutal. I mean, next level brutal, even for The Last of Us. And then then you you get that momentum, okay? And I'm going to rag on Sony a little bit here. I know that PlayStation's kind of ruled the world with an iron fist with no even, you know, sniff of any competition lately. Then you go to intermission? This weird intermission while you're moving from one scene to another, I thought really, really broke the momentum and then you show a random trailer like okay so you've got call of duty black ops maps all these old maps are coming to black ops three and four cool and then you come back and give me this random trailer for destiny 2 forsaken again if you're a destiny fan you're like okay cool something new we're gonna move on to something else i understand that you being happy about that but you really really lost the momentum for me when you really could have kept going now, I will say that you, you got me back with Ghosts of Tsushima. Hey, names and me, you know, don't go together. But you give me this samurai-style fighting game. I say fighting game. You give me this samurai-style game where you're fighting against the Mongols. It's not really a fighting game. I love the slow-motion kills, though, when you see the sword gameplay, when you saw that kind of trailer. I thought it was weird. You give me a big, like, betrayal reveal in the, in the gameplay trailer. It just seems like an element of the story that maybe it's not going to be a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, this is the first time we're seeing something from this game at E3. So you're not going to give me everything. I totally understand that. But it just seems like any sort of betrayal like that, which seems like an important couple of characters, you don't really want to blow that in your first trailer, do you? Or maybe you do. I don't know. Control looks interesting, but again, we don't really know enough about it. A really, really gory trailer for Resident Evil 2 came out, and that's going to be in January the 25th of next year. More Kingdom Hearts. Not talking about that again. Here's something I do want to just stop for a second and talk about. Death Stranding. What the hell am I even looking at? I don't know anymore. You know, when it was first announced, 83, what was it, a couple of years ago, or was it last year? I've kind of lost track at this point. I mean, it looked neat, you know, you, Kojima, the Kojima Studios, I get it, Kojima Productions, you're giving me something brand new from him, I get it, and I'm excited for it, but you know, we saw the gameplay footage, I honestly had more questions at the end of that than I did going in, and I was really hoping we get some answers when it came to Death Stranding, instead you kind of give me 
like babies in tanks waking up and weird floating ghost ash things. Yeah, you tell me you've got a great cast, but you give me no release date. You give me no idea really what this story is or where it's going other than some character interactions. We don't even know who these characters are. So you're kind of slowly losing me on this game before it even comes out. And I don't know what you've got to do to kind of tell me what this is. Mystery only takes you so far, I think. And I think your real Death Stranding is really, really running out on that at this point. So if you don't give me something soon, something concrete that I can look at and go, oh, so that's where it's going. Yeah, it's creepy and intense looking, but that's not going to be enough because there's plenty of that out there and they have a definite direction that they're going. I mean, maybe Kojima you trust and I understand why that would be the case for you. But I'm, it's wearing thin on me, I'm going to be honest. And then, of course, you give me Spider-Man, which, uh, again, it's looked amazing from the beginning, so that was not surprising. But then you see five different big bads shown at the same time, even fighting them at the same time. There was Electro, Vulture, Scorpion, Rhino were there, and there were so many different attacks that we saw from Spidey at the beginning of that gameplay. And then it looks like Spidey's going down at, some, at one point in that trailer, doesn't it? And then no help. Comes. That was what I was so waiting for another character to swing in, whether it be Miles Morales, somebody to help him out, and it just didn't happen. That wasn't a bad thing either, by the way. But it just seemed like a lot of the same beats that were repeated about Spider-Man anyway. It's like, yeah, you can just swing around New York and have fun or do side missions or whatever. Yeah, there is a story, but you can also do this stuff too. It looks so good, and I'm super excited for it. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely am excited for it. And they, you had the bonus gameplay. At the end of the presser, and you're not going to do anything else to convince me to buy Spider-Man. I already want to anyway, and I don't think they really needed to give me another reason. I already think this game looks cool. From what I've seen on social media, you already think that this game looks cool. So, I mean, just to end it on that, I, I think that that was a smart move. But at the same time, you've already got me hyped. Usually, Sony would come out and give you something to be hype about for the future. Spidey comes out in a couple of months and we've been hyped about it for a while now. We don't need any more hype. I I just, I would have done it differently. And then the last impression you give me before you give me Spider-Man gameplay is this kind of weird VR game that we have, again, no idea what it's about. This is just a really, I mean, even last year's Sony, I didn't think hit it really out of the park. I don't know if they're just taking their dominance for granted, but you've got Nintendo's catching up. I think Microsoft is doing some good things as well. I'm not saying that they're ready to take the crown just yet, either one of them, but I mean, if you're Sony and you're not careful, man, it's no, no word on any new consoles or anything. Not that I even needed that, but if you're not careful, your crown could slip from the, from the top of your head pretty easily. So I, I think Sony and PlayStation need a little bit more to stop looking in their rearview mirror. All in all, though, I thought it was a pretty, really, really good day three of press conferences at E3. Let's round it out and talk about Nintendo next and my initial impressions. Who won E3? I'll talk about that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Victoria Atkin, the voice of Evie Fry, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. The final press conference of E3 2018 was indeed Nintendo, called it, called it Nintendo Direct this year, and as I'm watching this, and I remember how great Nintendo did last year before I dive into this, I remember when Nintendo was so rock bottom 
at E3, and it's it was almost like a again, why bother even doing anything if this is what you're going to bring to the table? And then last year they kind of kicked the door down and said, "We're here. The Switch is going to be revolutionary. It's going to be amazing," and it lived up to the hype. And so did the games that came out for it. So now I was really, really excited. Probably the most excited I was for any of the press conferences was for Nintendo this year. And I'm again, I'm going to try. I really know. I know I've been kind of rambling at certain points, but I'm going to try not to go into every game. But how about the announcement that wasn't a huge surprise because it kind of leaked early with Fortnite coming to the Switch and it happened immediate, pretty much immediately right after the press conference. And Nintendo has said now that already 2 million downloads as of me recording this have been recorded for Fortnite on Switch. So, I mean, the Fortnite craze is sweeping the nation, sweeping the world right now, actually. So it does not surprise me at all that when you add a big title like that to the Switch, it becomes instantly super popular. I actually, you know, in debating on what console that I should get next and thinking about the Switch, finding out that Fortnite's going to be on there really, really makes it a, a lot easier of a decision as far as I'm concerned. What I thought was really cool, though, is we got an announcement for a new Super Mario Party game that's going to be coming out on October the 5th. And the reason I want to talk about this is the first thing you see in one of the trailers is you see two different Switch screens kind of being lined up in a certain way and being used as like one one display for a single game. So you, you put it and it was like a you had to find you had to put the ball down the path or something like that to get it down a certain pipe or something. I don't really remember it off the top of my head, but putting the two screens together and, and them being able to interact like that, not not in a co-op kind of thing, but as a one game type of deal. I thought was really, really neat and something that no other console can claim that they can do. Maybe that's not a big deal for you. But you see something like that and it's like, it makes you feel like there could be endless possibilities for the Switch. And, and as great as PlayStation is and, and other, if you're an Xbox person, though that's not something they can even come close to claiming. It's not like you could push two flat screens together and make it one screen. I mean, you could if you want to with a, with enough cables, right? But you, you just set these things down next to each other, and they're playing as one screen. I thought that that was really, really neat. And another way that Nintendo goes, hey, look what we're doing. I'll go through a couple of some of this stuff really quickly. We've got the Xenoblade Chronicles getting a DLC, Fire Emblem Three Houses, basically a ton of stuff that if you're an anime or a manga-style fan, you are stoked about what's coming to the Nintendo Switch right now and the graphics for all of those games absolutely beautiful. This is one I couldn't wait to talk about. And it's stupid because of just the game the game itself is not stupid. It's my excitement level is probably way higher than it should be based on the fact that I love 8-bit and I love stuff that feels old school and that's exactly how I felt about Octopath Traveler. Now, we it's a story about eight different travelers and they have eight different abilities and it's like a collect them all set type of thing. Play as all of them. And get all of these abilities. I mean, you have warriors, thieves, apothecaries, a whole bunch of different stuff. I'm not going to go through all of it because you can just watch the four-minute trailer for yourself. And trust me, you should. When I first saw Octopath Traveler, I thought to myself, wow, this really looks and feels like an old-school dragon warrior Final Fantasy type game. I'm talking all the way back to the NES. And that's not to say that the graphics were bad. They were just so nostalgically right what I needed right now for some reason. It's just, I that was a game that I looked at and I was like, I can't wait to play this because that takes me back and reminds me 
of one of the reasons I fell in love with games in the first place. So no matter what era of gaming you're from, you've got those couple of games or, or a certain style of game that when you see it or you play it, you go, this takes me back and I love it. Nostalgia is a huge, huge thing. And I and if I am right about this, Octopath Traveler will really capitalize on that. And that comes out next month, comes out in July for the Nintendo Switch. But, I mean, before I talk about Pokemon, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with that, let's talk about Super, Sm- Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which has literally every character that's ever been in a Smash Bros. game, except for, it seems like a small group of fans are upset that Waraluji isn't, isn't there. Come on. Just stop. Stop it already. They give you over 60 characters, and you want to bitch about Waraluji. Come on. I mean, and you, not only that, we're getting new attacks, new abilities for almost every character. You're seeing the ultimate smashes and all the stuff that you can brought in there, like Ness and Jeff are together. You've got the Splatoon kids that are together. You've got the, even the Wii Fit trainer is in there. Come on, over 60 characters. And then they drop Ridley in there for Metroid. Playable character. How crazy was that if you didn't jump out of your chair for that one and just seeing the size of Ridley on the screen compared to some of these other players is insane and if there was one time that you would grab a a Super Smash Brothers game they actually called it in the press conference the biggest game crossover of all time hard to argue with that then you got the eight player battles that are going to be coming back you could pull out your GameCube controller and use that any amiibos that you've already collected going to count for this game, and you can unlock certain characters as you go as well and stuff like that. I, this is the perfect way to present this game. And, and and they found a way to freshen it up, even though what you're doing is you're taking old characters. You're not really giving us a whole lot of new characters. You're taking the characters that you already had in there, and you're freshening up almost all of them. So that's the perfect way to present a game like this that's been around for a while that people love and want to find a reason to be excited about. And you gave that to them over, I mean, with several different things, not just one thing. So again, Nintendo just understands what they're doing and how to please their fans. And then, again, a couple of really quick ones. We have Splatoon 2 Octo expansion that's coming out, and there's going to be three new three new Amiibos for that. Let's end this, though, on the Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee that are both coming out on November the 16th. The one thing, again, innovative, that I thought was really, really cool, they have this Pokeball Plus accessory that looks exactly like a Pokeball. You can kind of press a button on it, and it works with the Switch. And it actually, it does, it captures... Your Pokemon, you can actually use it to transfer stuff from Pokemon Go into these Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee games, which, I mean, way to go, Nintendo, for allowing that kind of cross-play. And you can also unlock Mew in the game if you pre-order the Pokeball as well. So again, it's just a neat accessory. You know, you actually get to hold the Pokeball in your hand when you're capturing the Pokemon. So it, it gives you that next level. It's like virtual reality without actually having to have a virtual reality helmet on. And it seems like the Switch is able to capture all of these different things and just give you so many unique ways of gaming. And there's nothing wrong with a straight-up console. I'm not saying that every console needs to do this. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, is that 
Nintendo has to be different in order to succeed. You're not necessarily going to beat Sony and PlayStation by being exactly what they are. And that's why Xbox, unless they suddenly get a ton of different exclusives, just will never catch Sony unless Sony falls flat on their face. But it's not like they had the greatest press conference this year This year either. It's like they're taking their success for granted, like I said before. So the Nintendo Switch is coming out and saying, here's all the different games that we have. Here's all the games we're making in-house, maybe better than anybody else. And here's all the unique ways that you can play said games, either by yourself or with a bunch of people. Oh, and by the way, you can take all this stuff with you, including Fortnite. And who can say that? Pretty much nobody. So for that reason, and this kind of segues perfectly into what I'm saying here, is that I feel like, once again, Nintendo wins E3. I mean, as far as the consoles go, it's not even close. I will say, though, it's really tight with Bethesda and Ubisoft as well, because I really think that with everything that Bethesda put out there, even their sequels and DLCs, while it doesn't seem like you're giving me something new, you really are, and you're making it different, like I just said five seconds ago. And I thought that as far as Bethesda goes, they had a very entertaining and so did Ubisoft had a very entertaining presentation and made me want to pay attention. It wasn't just trailer after trailer after trailer, which is great if you want to show off a bunch of games. I understand that, and maybe that's maybe that's your hook. Look at all the things we have to play. But give me a reason to want to pay attention, because if you just keep showing trailer after trailer, even if some of them are interesting, I'm going to drift off a little bit. But then you've got Bethesda, who shows off Rage 2 and a bunch of other different stuff. And then you had Ubisoft, who gives me Beyond Good and Evil 2, and the Tom Clancy games, and then all of this different interaction, like what they did with Trials Rising, I thought was really, really funny. If I can remember it several days later, then you had a good press conference. So while I say that Nintendo won E3, because I really, really think they did with a lot of the announcements they had and the things that they showed, I've really got to give it up for Ubisoft and Bethesda for putting out entertaining press conferences and giving just top-to-bottom games that I feel like I want to play. And it is really a great time to be a gamer, though, isn't it? Even though, yeah, I still feel like Sony and PlayStation fell flat on their face this year, despite The Last of Us and and Spider-Man for them. And Xbox, again, it was kind of a typical Xbox presentation. While they had some stuff to be excited about, there was nothing that made me go, man, I need to rush out and get an Xbox. But I feel that way about the Switch, and that's why I have to give them the nod overall. So I think it was a great E3, a lot of great game demos that were shown, and a lot of really cool stuff that's going to be coming out, and I can't wait to find a way to dive into all of it, because I I, I just really feel like E3 always makes me wanting to get, want to get into gaming more, and this year's E3 overall definitely did that once again, so I'm going to go play something. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Dan and Nerdy Podcast. Thanks again for listening to my full recap of E3 2018. You can actually pre-order or buy pretty much all of the games that I just talked about on our website, downandnerdypodcast.com, whether it be in the se- in the section that talks the- where you're listening to this week's show, if you're listening to it on the website, or if you want to do it on the main page, you've got a bunch of the links up there as well where you can pre-order or order some of the games that are already out at downandnerdypodcast.com. While you're at it, follow us on social media as well, facebook.com slash downandnerdy, and at downandnerdy757 on Twitter, 
and on Instagram. Gamer or not, you never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds and fellow gamers.